church, it is great to be here. My name is Quentin. I used to be on staff here as one of the pastors and I've been gone for a while, but now I am back. Uh, seriously, uh, my wife, the awesome Ruth Steve, and I got away. We got into some warmer weather, uh, which was fantastic for Ruth and her continued rehab and just getting a lot of exercise and therapy in. And we're just so grateful for that. Can we also give it up for Pastor Brandon? Just a great job. He does such a great job in the scriptures every week. I, I love that guy. And um, hey, guys, but seriously, we, we're gone just a few weeks. And as soon as we leave, all these spy balloons are coming over the country. What, what's with that? You know, have you heard about this? Probably, yeah. Spy balloons? And, and yeah, they finally, finally went after them and, 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 and shot them down. And, and we're all happy about that. It's all sorts of discussion going on about all of this. People have opinions about it, but everybody's kind of concerned about it. One I wish they would shoot down is this one. And that is, we've been trying to reach you regarding your vehicle's extended warranty. I wish they would take that one out. Um, but seriously... You know, people are on all sides are, are saying this is a national security threat. There's something about that. And people have really strong opinions about that. And, and that's appropriate and, and powerful and, and, and important, all right? Um, but guys, there are spiritual security threats to your life that are flying in your sphere, in your atmosphere every single day. And today I want to encourage you to take those seriously. We're coming in the book of Proverbs and we come to last week, Pastor Brandon was in chapter six. We're actually going to go back there and then end in chapter seven of Proverbs chapter seven. And there are these uh, spiritual security threats to us, the things that trap us, the things that trip us up, the things that cause us problems. And they trap us over and over again, and they can make a mess of your life sometimes. And what I want to encourage you today is to take those seriously, and, and at least one of them, I want you to declare war on that and say, no more. I, I'm setting a stake in the ground and saying, I declare war on that. You know, uh, today we're going to look at four areas of, uh, of these spiritual threats, and they are in the areas of money, work, conversation, and integrity. One of those has got to apply in your life, right? Um, and I was reading a book uh, called I Declare War by a guy named Levi Lusco. He's a pastor, and he wrote these words. He says, you can't win a conflict you don't admit you're in. Hmm. He says, declaring war separates you from the problems that you can so easily mistake for permanent parts of your identity and distances you from your thoughts, your fears, and your anxieties. You are not your dysfunctional behavior. You're not your overeating, your obsessive TV watching, your judgmental, critical comments you wish you didn't keep coming out of your mouth. You are not your mistakes or your transgressions or what you see in your dark and twisted dreams. Choosing to oppose those things is to make it clear that they are not on your side. This is the only way to get out of your rut and move past them. And when you choose to declare war, you are refusing to go gently in the night or to be taken without a fight. You are declaring war on the version of yourself that you don't want to be. The Apostle Paul says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, to your fleshly nature. He writes, when you decide you're done playing the blame game and you're ready to become a victor, you will find that a wolf rises in your heart. 
That is how Theodore Roosevelt, remember him? The youngest person to hold the office of president described the power of joy in the battle that floods a person who chooses to meet the challenges spread out before him. This larger than life president who is literally chiseled in stone on Mount Rushmore and is permanently one and the same with Robin Williams, right? Because of Night at the Museum, at least in my mind, led the Rough Riders on horseback into the battle for San Juan Hill during the Spanish-American War. Machine gun bullets sprayed out from the top of the mountain, cutting down man after man. Yet Teddy Roosevelt fought on relentlessly, urging his men forward. And in that terrible situation, he crossed a barbed wire fence that lay on the battlefield and fully committed to the action before him. And at that moment, he says, a wolf rose in his heart with his trademark spectacles fogged up from the humidity and a handkerchief trailing from the back of his sombrero, he gave no thought to the bullets flying all around him as he urged his horse, Little Texas, forward. Others who are watching, one of the witnesses said, he became the most magnificent soldier I have ever seen. For the rest of his life, Teddy Roosevelt referred to that day, July 1st, 1898, as the greatest day of my life. Later, he would be elected president, but that was the greatest day of his life when he fought that fight. I'm not saying you need to go fight uh, to Cuba, in Cuba. I am saying that there is incredible power in setting all that was in you in in a singular direction. So much of the time, we defensively react to what comes our way. Stop letting life happen to you and start happening to your life. Meet the enemy on your terms. Go on the offensive. And whether you are a sophomore in college or you're in your 60s and contemplating life after retirement, when you decide to stare the things in the face that are holding you back, a strength will bubble up inside your chest. God's spirit will now motivate you and empower you. As 20th century Scottish explorer W.H. Murray wrote, the moment... One definitely commits oneself. Then providence, God himself moves to, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no one could have dreamt would have come his way. Declare war, and the wolf will rise. That's what we're talking about today, declaring war. There are four areas we'll look at. As I said, money, work, conversation, and integrity. Let's meet the first one. We're going to follow along. And by the way, hope you have a Proverbs journal or a Bible or on your phone. You're here on the screen. You can follow along and read Proverbs 7 this week, all right? Enemy number one, let's break free from financial bondage. That's the first that's in our atmosphere that's flying over us that we need to declare war on. Financial bondage, he writes in chapter 6, verse 1, my son. If you have put up security for your neighbor or entered into an agreement with a stranger, you have, been, you have been snared by the words of your mouth, trapped by the words from your mouth. In other words, he's saying you, you made a rash decision perhaps. You made an unwise decision with your finances. Or it seemed good at the time, but now you're, you're in a bad place, right? It, it, looking back, maybe you wouldn't have done it that way a second time. Maybe it was an impulsive purchase. Maybe you ran up a big credit card debt. Maybe you're in over your head. Maybe you helped somebody out, but now you're in a bind. There was a business decision that went the wrong way. Maybe the best of motives, but now you're in a spot 
That's what he's talking about. He says, what am I going to tell you about this? He says, verse 3, do this then, my son, and free yourself, for you put yourself in your neighbor's power. Go, humble yourself and plead with your neighbor. Now, I love this here. Because now, there's no scolding. There's no, you're an idiot. Why did you do this? How could you have done this? How dumb is that? He doesn't say any of that. It's no scolding. It's no blaming. It's no shaming. It's nothing. The words are caring words. Son, I care about you. I love you. This is father to son. This is not not some drive-by guilting. Well, you made your bed. Now sleep in it. What a dumb thing to do. No, instead... Son, get loose. Get free. Don't let pride get in your way. Swallow your pride. Humble yourself. Do what it takes. And then he says, and do it now, verse 4. Don't give sleep to your eyes or slumber to your eyelids. Don't keep delaying. It's not going to be solved in one day. But you can start today. You can take a step in the right direction. Get started. Get your plan and take action. We're here for you. We're behind you. We'll help you. But he says, verse 5, escape like a gazelle from a hunter. A gazelle is a very fast animal, sees the hunter and gets away fast. He says, take action now. Like a bird from a hunter's trap. The bird's in the trap. He's gonna get loose. He's gonna fly away just as fast as he or she can, right? Fly away now. Reminds me of this far side cartoon. Bummer of a birthmark, Hal, right? You're a target. He says, get out of there, get out of there. So go to a financial planner, take Financial Peace University, seek out somebody that you know can help you, talk to a pastor, approach a trusted friend, talk about it with your spouse, start today. It won't be solved today, but you start heading in that direction. You say, now I need to do it. Go for it, attack it. We're with you, we're behind you. We're not shaming you. It's just like, this is an area that's gonna, gonna be around, so let's, let's declare war on it today. Let's say, okay, we're gonna do something about it. You attack it, you go for it, right? Right? One of our uh, West African grandsons um, plays uh, Division I basketball. He plays for the University of Oregon. He's the starting center for the University of Oregon, and he's seven feet tall. And a, a few weeks ago, he made ESPN Sports Highlights. He's, he's a great player. And, um, and, and he made the highlights. And I want to show you how he attacked it, all right? And this made a highlight reel. It's only eight seconds long, so be, make, make sure you're watching. Let's check it out. Dante playing like a Kimolajua. Oh, Dante posterizes Kerr Yeah, posterizes Kerr That's what you do. And Fale Dante, that's, that's, that's our grandson I'm talking about there. Can we give it up? That was an amazing dunk. And that's what y'all need to do if you're in that, if, you, if there's a financial issue, is just attack it. Don't run about it. Don't, don't sit there and, and be scared about it or whatever. Let's take action. Let's take action, all right? Go for it. Okay, enemy number two, reject passivity and procrastination. Now, this applies in all areas of life. It's just letting life happen to you. And there's something that God is clearly calling you to do, asking you to do. He wants you to be obedient. He wants you to be faithful. But you aren't taking action on it. You're thinking about it some more. And you're not doing what you know God's called you to do, all right? So he's saying here in chapter 6, verse 6, 
Go to the ant, you slacker. Now, this slacker word has a little fun with that throughout Proverbs. The word slacker, uh, old translation sluggard, occurs 14 times in Proverbs and only in the book of Proverbs, nowhere else. But it's a fun word. It's a word that is very visual. He says, go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. That ant gets after it, right after it. So who is this slacker? The slacker is is lifeless, is passive, aimless, slow, sometimes lazy. And some of you are saying, wow, okay, do we really need to deal with this, pastor? I mean, don't we have a culture with a colossal collection of workaholics? Uh, Psychologists are continually telling us to chill out, to slow down, to take time to smell the roses. Absolutely. And I'm not speaking against that at all. And that is true. But what he's saying here is there, it's really not about work or even the pace of life. It has to do with whether we are slow or passive, listen to me, in the important things of life. We're super busy, but are we passive or procrastinating about the things that matter? That's what we're talking about. Selective slackerness, all right? We all have areas. You got some, I got some. Maybe too lethargic to love the people in your lives. They're all around you and you're still not taking time for them. Maybe too mellow to move on some important matter in your life. Maybe too passive to take action where God has clearly called you to take action. Too preoccupied with other stuff to serve, to, re- to, to reach out, to, to give, to love neighbor, to grow. Too tentative to stop talking about doing it and just start doing it. Too pious to just obey. You say, I gotta pray about it more. Maybe God's saying, you prayed enough. Now obey, take the step of faith, take what I'm called you to do clearly. He says, yeah, that's it. So let's deal with this enemy of procrastination and passivity and declare war on it because this enemy robs us of life and impact. He says in verse 6 again, go to the ant, you slacker, observe its ways and become wise without leader, administrator, or ruler. We can learn something from our little critter, and he's coming. Spring is on its way. He's going to be back in your house again. Yeah, he is. He's going to show up at your picnics. He's going to be there. Why? He doesn't need a commander. There's three words here for a supervisor. Three words in this verse. There's no direct supervision. There's no need to be prodded. No one needs to say, get to work, go do it. He just does it. He's a self-motivated, go-getter, get-her-done kind of little guy. So here's the principle. Don't wait for somebody else to motivate you. You take action. Verse 8. It prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. So there's certain times of the year the ant is especially busy. And that principle now for us is do the right thing at the right time, which in many cases is right now. Now's the time to work. In this situation, he's getting ready for harvest. He's storing away his food. He can relax later. The whole winter will be decided now. A year's work is in the balance. And here's here's the thing. You you can pay all sorts of big bucks for a consultant. I'm not against consultants, but you can, can pay all sorts of big bucks for that. Or you can go to the ant for free. He's just there to teach us something. To the slacker, later is as good a time as as now. 
Why do today what you can put off for tomorrow? Verse 9. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest. And your poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. He says, if you keep delaying on this and not take action, sooner or later it catches up to you and it robs you of life. It robs you of impact. It robs you of opportunities. Sooner or later it catches up to you. So get started. Set reasonable goals and timelines. Say, I'm not going to wait any longer. This is what, set some reasonable goals and set the timelines for the, for the, for the, the slacker here. How long? That's, that's too specific. I, I don't want to set a date. No, set a date. When? When are you going to do this? Ah, someday. No, no, no. Declare a war on someday. Now is the time. You know what I'm talking about? A little bit of, a little bit of hitting the snooze button. That's one of the worst inventions of all time. You just keep hitting it. But a lot of us do that in, in areas of our lives. We keep hitting the snooze button, hitting the snooze button. Someday, someday, someday. And there's something in your life that God is saying, not someday, today. What is it? It's robbing you of life and impact. That's robbing you of that. He's saying, take action. It's not too late, but don't wait any longer. Examine your life. Be honest. Enroll in the Ant Academy. And let him teach you, and don't let procrastination and passivity steal your one and only life. Trust God and get going. Today's the day you declare war. Third enemy, push back on gossip and troublemaking. Push back on gossip and troublemaking. Now we're going to talk about conversations and about people who make a mess of things with their mouths. Both we ourselves do it, and sometimes it's done toward us. All right? Verse 12. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes around speaking dishonestly. He's spreading lies, spreading rumors, gossiping about people, winking his eyes, you know, signaling with his feet, gesturing with his fingers. Sometimes he doesn't even say anything. It's just body language. You know these people at work, they don't say anything, but their body language, the rolling of the eyes, the shrugging of the shoulders, the, you know, you get it, what they think, and they're just tearing down. Their motive is to hurt other people. They're experts at this, and they can be identified by their whispering and their chattering and their body language and their passive-aggressive comments. You know these people. You can recognize them, right? Like the, you know, immortal theologian by the name of Megan Trainer says in her song, I know you lie, because your lips are moving. Tell me, do you think I'm dumb? I might be young, but I ain't stupid. Talking around in circles with your tongue, right? She gets it. She's identified that person who is hurting her life because he's continually lying to her, gossiping. It's become a habit of life. Verse 14, he always plots evil with perversity in his heart. He stirs up trouble. It's become a habit of life. Pastor Brandon talked about troublemakers last weekend and the harm that they do and how God hates that, absolutely hates that. Troublemakers, they're up to no good and it goes downhill fast. Now, my mom, her name was Mary, and um, my mom raised seven kids on her own. She was a single parent of seven children. And when you're a single parent of seven children, and 
when my mom and dad split up, um, the oldest was 14 and the youngest was two. And when you're a, mom, a single parent, you don't have time to helicopter. You don't have time to, you know, check in on every last possible thing that's going on. You just can't do it. It can't be done. So what she would do, mom would pick her spots. And she knew which hills to die on and when to speak up. And when my mom spoke up to me, I listened because she wasn't doing it all the time, but she spoke into something. And I remember something. I was probably about 13 years old, and there was a kid in the neighborhood. I'll call him Dale because that was his name. And, um, and here's what mom says, said about Dale. One day, I remember it today, as clearly today, we were in the living room, and she says, Quentin, stay away from Dale. That's about all she said. And to listen. Because stepping back objectively looking at it, he was no good. He was this guy. A worthless person, a wicked man, speaking dishonestly, doing all this stuff. And my mom was doing me a favor, saying, stay away from him. Stay away. There are gossips. There's troublemakers. This includes people speaking, writing, emailing, posting, texting, Snapchatting, all those things. To their family, to their friends, to their neighbors, their coworkers, to their enemies. And don't be that person. Don't be that guy. Don't be that woman. Don't be that person. Don't be the rumor monger, busybody, whisperer, idle chatterer, where the motives are not to build up, but to tear down, to diminish other people, to simply to entertain, to give juicy tidbits out on other people. And guys, they, they taste good going down, but inside they're, they're going down to your inmost par parts and they're corrupting your soul and your heart inside. They impact your thoughts, your spirit, your soul. They are reshaping you on the inside because this person when you listen or when you become that person, is not a straight shooter. They are over clever. They don't bring people together. They drive them apart. They don't deepen friendships. They destroy friendships. Sooner or later, though, God says, I'm going to take, take that into account, and I'm going to do something about it. Verse 15, therefore, calamity will strike him suddenly. He will be shattered instantly beyond recovery. Eventually and unexpectedly, what goes around comes around. People get sick and tired of it. Eventually, they get caught. They finally get caught in their web of lies. They lose friends. Their influence evaporates in a second. You stop going to them. There's just times you just say, enough's enough. I went yesterday to get a cup of coffee someplace, and I went out the coffee, and when I, it was self-serve type coffee. I get the coffee, and it came into my, my little plastic styrofoam cup, and I was like, that's not right. There's something wrong with that. And I poured it out, and then I took a picture of the inside of the cup. It's like, I'm not a real coffee snob or anything, but that doesn't look right. Does it look right to you? No. That's what these people are. You don't drink that. You don't have anything to do with that. You say, no, I'm going to declare war on that. Because, listen to this quote. Listen, fame is a vapor, popularity is an accident, and money takes wings. The only thing that endures is character. And who is the author of that very inspirational quote, no less than O.J. Simpson? Wow. 
Proverbs 26 says, without wood, fire goes out. Without a gossip, conflict dies down. As charcoal for embers and wood for fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. Today's the day you declare war and say enough's enough. You will no longer be that person. You will no longer listen, pass on, take in. You will not be a collaborator with that. You will not be a troublemaker with that. You don't have to be nasty. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be obnoxious. You just have to walk away. You just have to start another subject. You just have to say, I'm not going to be that go that direction. Talk about this, by the way, in your life group, because this is an important area. Last enemy, number four, and we've covered it quite a bit. It's come up before already in Proverbs, and that is to escape the trap of lust and sexual wrongdoing. He's pleading with him here in verse 20. My son, and we've gone through the biblical teaching on, 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 on sexuality, and the Bible affirming this this, uh, this sexuality where God has created and designed us for one man and one woman to be united together in a, in a lifelong marriage of love. That's beautiful. He says, keep your father's command. Don't reject your mother's teaching. There's a bunch of other stuff that lies outside of God's design. All so, equal opportunity offender here. So all sorts of things that are going on in our culture that are proved and so forth. He says, keep your father's command. Don't reject your mother's teaching. Don't reject what has been taught by the church for 2,000 years in the Old Testament for 3,000 plus. Always bind them to your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk here and there, they will guide you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. This is not for your restriction. They're for your protection. When you wake up, they'll talk to you. For a command is a lamp. Teaching is a light. And even corrective discipline. It's not always fun to hear it. But ultimately, it's, it's, it has a positive purpose. It's a way to life. He says, verse 24, they will protect you from an evil woman for the flattering tongue of a wayward woman. We've looked at that in previous chapters. Don't lust in your heart for her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyelashes. There's all sorts of people around that are luring people in, tempting people in to some kind of lust or sexual wrongdoing. Porn is a billion, 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 billions of dollar industry, capturing people, addicting people. It's everywhere in our culture. Beware, he says. Put up safeguards. Don't fall for it. Be careful. And by the way, March 5th coming up at our Good for All conference, Preston Sprinkle, he's an incredible uh, Christian leader. He's, he's the leader and the founder of the Center for Sex, uh, Faith, Sex, Gender, uh, and Sexuality. And uh, he's a guy who brings grace and, and, and holds a biblical position, but he does so with grace. And he talks to us about how do, we, how do we interact in culture with people that might have a different viewpoint. And he does it with such grace and tenderness and thoughtfulness, but yet at the same time upholding truth. Please check that out. Um, here, here's the picture, verse 27. Can a man embrace fire and his clothes not be burned? Can a man walk on burning coals without scorching his feet? In other words, you step outside the design of God in the, in the scriptures, you're, you're heading for trouble. Now, we have an interesting little um, tradition at our, in our house in January. And the tradition is this. Um, if it's ever warm enough in January... I will go onto the back deck and I will fire up the grill with the coals and we're going to have some, some steaks or we're going to have some brats or we're going to have some good food. Does anyone else do that in, in January? You know, yeah, seven of you. Excellent. Okay, well, hey, join the club. It's an amazing thing. And, um, and whenever we do that and whenever I light up the grill, I think about this passage. In another place, Similar con uh, context, he says, can a man scoop 
coals into his lap without being burned. So I want you to get the image in your mind. You got the burning coals there in the, in, in the grill, and then you take a little shovel or a, a little bucket or some tongs, and you just sit down and just dump it into your lap. How does that feel? That's a, that's a painful, painful thing. You just r- spread them out on the, on the, on the patio. You just kind of walk over them. How does that feel? He said, I'm telling you this. He says, if you mess with this, you're playing with fire. And you can't embrace fire without getting burned. You can't walk on burning coals without scorching your feet. Be careful. Verse 32, the one who commits adultery lacks sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. So this is, you you don't want to do yourself harm. And there's so much connected to that. Now, he says, he's pleading with you. Verse chapter 7, my son, obey my words. Treasure my commands. I love you. Keep my commands and live. Guard my instruction as you would the pupil of your eye. What if I came to you and I just kind of just real quick just kind of attacked your eye and started poking you you, know, you push it away. You, you, get away from me because you guard that pupil of your eye. He says, that's what you need to do with these commands in your heart. Guard them carefully. You know, be guarded as you would the pupil of your eye. Very tender and sensitive area. And the rest of ca- chapter 7 is a very dramatic telling of someone who being slowly lured by lust into sexual wrongdoing and the resulting destructiveness of it. Of it. I, I encourage you, please read the rest of chapter 7 this week because it's all there. But the good news is this. There's no shame here. There's no guilt here. Instead, there's grace and love and mercy and hope and forgiveness in Jesus yeah, the bad guys in Jesus' days, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they went and found a woman committing adultery. They grabbed her in the, in the act of adultery, dragged her before all the people, conveniently leaving behind the guy. Drag her before and says, teacher, what should we do with somebody like this? Should, the law says, stone her to death. What do you say? And Jesus said, well, it took a long time to answer that question. But finally he said, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, they all left. And Jesus turned to her and very tenderly said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And leave your life of sin behind you. Today's a day for a new start. He doesn't condemn us for any of these things we've talked about today. He says it's time for a new start. It's time to say, no, I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm declaring war. That's not going to be a part of my life anymore. I'm not going to be defined by that. I'm not going to let that hold me back and destroy my life. Any of these things we've talked about today. He says, I'm going to go. You take up the full armor of God now to fight a battle. You know, put on the full armor of God. Paul, Paul says, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor in your chest, your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. That's what we're saying here. Worship team's going to come on up. And we, we, we wrap up with this. We've talked about four areas today. Money, work, conversation, integrity. The four traps, the enemies, financial bondage, 
passivity, procrastination, gossip or troublemaking, lust, sexual wrongdoing. And what God's saying to you today, to me today, is pick your battle. Which one of those is the one that you need to step into and say, today's the day I declare war. And please know me and hear me, that wars are not declared and then won in a single day. It's not by trying harder. It's by trusting God for strength and by seeking out the daily training through prayer and through taking up that armor that will enable you to fight and win those battles. It's a long battle, but you can't win a battle that you're not even aware exists or you haven't declared war on. During our time away, um, uh, our, our grandkids came and visited us, and there was a little garden path and it, had, it was actually a garden path. Some Christian had put it together, and it was a path through the, the main uh, events in the life of Christ. And I took Nico. He just turned four years old um, to it, and he was walking along. And we got to this one, and you see it. And he's smiling and, and a cheesy grin there. And he sees Jesus. And you know where this is. This is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Nico looked at it. He didn't say anything for a while. And then you know what he said? The only words out of his mouth? They took him away. They took him away. And then he said, Grandpa, are soldiers good or bad? And I said, well, Nico, some soldiers are bad. They took Jesus away and took him to a cross. It's all part of God's plan, but they were bad. But there's lots of good soldiers. There's lots of good soldiers who fight battles that are worthy to be fought. I want you to be a good soldier. Ray Ortland is a pastor. He's been a leader in the United States and around the world for many years. He's written countless books, incredible man of God. He is coming to our Good for All conference on March 5th. I hope that you come and hear him. But I saw him post this this week, and this is of a guy who has seen a lot. He posted a picture of a, of a letter he wrote. I'm going to read it to you. But it was written on the 26th of May, 1988. He said, Lord Jesus Christ, believing that true life is to be found in you alone and obeying your summons to enter the narrow gate and walk the hard path, at the end of which alone true life is to be granted, I sign myself and all I have over to you as best I can in my weakness, earnestly desiring to be found faithful as your disciple and servant, at whatever the personal cost, have mercy upon me, O Lord, Raymond C. Ortland. And then Ray on Instagram wrote this little note to accompany that letter, that picture he posted of his letter from 1988. And I close with this. I found this yesterday folded up in an old Bible. It's from the day I felt like quitting pastoral ministry. 
I was defeated, exhausted, disheartened, and in a way, rightly so. I really wasn't good at pastoring. Called, yes. Sincere, yes. But just lousy at it. What was I to do? The only thing I knew I couldn't fail was to hand myself over to Jesus in a deeper way. Hitting rock bottom is not so bad, right? It's where Jesus always awaits us with fresh blessing. So I thought it through and typed it out and signed on the dotted line. I handed myself clearly over to him, all of me to all of him. Not that I had been holding out. I just needed him now more than ever. And that day was a turning point in my life. Not that everything suddenly became perfect, but I did become hopeful again. And within a year or so, the ministry was obviously in a better place because I was in a better place before the Lord. Great is his faithfulness. Can you pray with me? Father, sometimes declaring war begins with surrender to you. To say, I can't do this on my own. I can't win this on my own. I can't even fight it on my own. I need you. Father, I pray for anybody who's never crossed that line of faith today, like so many that we saw in these baptisms, say today's the day that I say yes to you. That I say I want to trust in Jesus and his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace and now I give my life to him. And for all of us who've made that step, we, we afresh give our lives to you. And maybe, Lord, there needs to be in some of our lives some letters written to you of surrender to you and to say, I want to declare war on the version of myself that you never created me to be. I want to be what you want me to be. And we surrender that to you. And help us in the days ahead as the battles rage, our spiritual health is attacked. We fight it with our families, for our families. We fight it in our communities. We fight it with love and with mercy and forgiveness and goodness and righteousness and truth. But help us, Lord, we need your help. We cannot do it without you. And everybody agreed and said, amen.